In this episode, we hear from glaciologist Elizabeth Bagshaw on how she uses space to monitor glaciers in almost real time. My name's Dr Liz Bagshaw. I'm a glaciologist and I'm a senior lecturer working at Cardiff University. I'm really interested in finding new ways for measuring how meltwater is coming from on top of and underneath the Greenland ice sheet. So one of the things that we're really interested in is to try and find out what the impact of increasing temperatures will be on the ice sheets, so Greenland and Antarctica. We know that as you get warmer temperatures, you get an increase in surface melting. And we know that that meltwater has to go from the surface to somewhere. And what happens on many ice sheets is that that meltwater burrows its way down holes known as moulins, uh, after the French for windmill, because the water mills its way down into the ice. And it bores a hole, and that water ends up underneath the ice trapped between the hard ice above and the hard bedrock below. When you've got that water layer, the ice can flow much faster because you've reduced the friction at the ice bed interface. The problem is that that could cause the ice to flow much faster down towards the sea. And when it's uh, heading out towards the sea, that means it ends up at lower elevation, melts faster, and then you end up with more melting and an increase in sea level rise. However, it's not quite as simple as we think. And what we see in alpine glaciers is that the water underneath the ice actually kind of organises itself into river channels, just like on land, and you get a series of big channels where the water preferentially flows. If you have those channels, then it actually ends up reducing the friction on some areas of the bed. So after that initial speed up, the ice begins to slow down again. So this means that there's kind of a complicated relationship between the melting going on on the ice surface and sea level rise in the future. So what we're trying to do is figure out where and when these channels form. And we do that by measuring pressure temperature and a number of other parameters underneath the ice and if you get um, these measurements then you can f kind of paint a picture of where those channels might form how they might behave in the future problem is they're deep underneath the ice and the ice in Greenland and Antarctica can be up to three four kilometers thick so trying to get that information from underneath the ice and get it back to the surface is a real challenge and that's how we're um, trying to approach the problem, to try and find new ways to get that information back to the surface. The technology that we're developing is based around an instrument called the cryo-egg. And cryo-egg is trying to address the problem of taking those measurements underneath the ice and transmitting them from the bottom of the ice all the way up to the surface. Now, cryo-egg is a, um, a sort of grapefruit-sized... Um, device that we make in our um, workshops in Cardiff 
and on board the cryo egg are sensors that measure the temperature of the water underneath the ice, the pressure of the water underneath the ice and the electrical conductivity of that water. And the electrical conductivity gives us information about how long the water has been stored underneath the ice. So the sensors on board cryo-egg can measure those three things and then the data recorded onto the cryo-egg and then transmitted to the surface using a radio frequency chip that's on board the cryo-egg. And because it's wireless, it means it's free of any cables and it can move around underneath the ice and give us lots of information about the characteristics of the water. So once the cryo-egg sent the data back to the ice sheet surface, um, we need to find a way to get it home again and if you were working in a densely populated area you might be able to use mobile phone technologies or Wi-Fi to send those data on but in the middle of the ice sheet there's no mobile phone coverage and there's definitely no Wi-Fi so we need to rely on space technologies to transport our data for us so what happens is our receiver sends out a little chirp of the data several times a day to coincide with when a satellite is passing overhead. And that satellite receives the data and then pings it back to our home computers when it passes over um, our country. So it's a really neat way of getting data back without requiring someone sitting on the ice sheet the whole time downloading data to their laptop. So it means that the cryo-egg can explore underneath the ice and send the data back in near real time and we can see those data even if we're not out in the polar regions. A lot of the um, satellite technologies until now have been quite expensive so scientists have been using satellite technologies to get their data back from the polar regions but what's happened in the last couple of years is there's been a, a new generation of lower cost satellites um, and we've been really excited to work with Astrocast to test some of these lower cost options to transmit those data. So one of the reasons that we're using um, Astrocast in our trials is that not only is it a low cost option, so we can send small amounts of data very, very regularly, um, but the parts that it uses don't use much power. And that's a real um, benefit for us because working in the polar regions, again, as well as having no mobile phone reception, no Wi-Fi, when you're out in the middle of the ice sheet, there's no mains electricity. So we rely on batteries and solar power to run all our instruments. So some of the earlier models of um, satellite modem used an awful lot of power and we had to um, consider that when designing our receiving stations. Astrocast is really nice because the um, uh, transmitter module is quite low power as well as being low cost and it's quite small. So that means we can pack it all into our um, transceiver box, leave it up on the surface of the ice sheet and wait for the data to come home. The message that I want to give to visitors to this exhibition is that all this science has been possible uh, by combining lots of different fields of expertise. So teamwork is what has made this um, piece of technology possible and teamwork is how we're going to solve the problem of how the ice sheets are melting and how they're going to respond in the future. We're a team of scientists including glaciologists, um, ice sheet modellers, uh, climate modellers 
and engineers, people who work with the instrument development, people who work on the communications, and the space scientists who are working on the satellite technologies, and the companies that work on developing those instruments. Altogether, we've been able to answer some of these big questions and we hope that we can continue to do this work in the future and try and find out how our ice sheets are going to respond to climate change. Space for Our Planet is a podcast produced by Timcat with support from the United Nations Office for Outer Space Affairs. We're also supported by the European Commission, DG DEFIS, the European Space Agency, the French space agency, CNES, NERUS, the network of European regions using space technologies, and the Canadian NGO, GIVE.